I couldn't do it. Really? I was like, I know where it's going. And I don't love the romance. And I don't love that he's there every single step of the way. Like, he pretty much dies at one point, And I think he comes back and helps <laughs> He's like, I can still help. Yeah. So, anyways. <laughs> the ghost with me can still help. There's even a sequel. So, I have no idea where things go. But... And welcome to the Book Jar Podcast, where both me and my friend Megan discuss book-related news topics and other things on a bi-weekly basis. Mm-hmm. How are you today, Megan? Doing pretty good. Excited to talk about our topic today. Our topic today. We always act like it's a big secret, which I really enjoy. It's, it's, yeah. like, <laughs> it's, it's the title of today's podcast, but we're not going to say it right away and just to keep you yes, on the edge. It's true. And you could have listened to the last episode and you would have found out. But no, it's impossible. So it's a, it's a, it's a highly guarded secret. Uh, I couldn't possibly know what it was. Is it a surprise? Yeah, it's a surprise. Uh, so how this works is that each week we pull out a topic um, from our book jar pod, or book jar rather, this book jar pod. And uh, that is our next week topic. So last week we pulled out the super secret topic that we're going to tell you about in just a second. But first we're going to jump right into the books we've re- read since we last gathered yeah do you want me to go first you know what uh i do i do because i'm embarrassed okay (laughs) yeah you're embarrassed i'm sure (laughs) for you (laughs) um i read well i talked about it last episode ballad of songbird snakes by susan collins yes really enjoyed it my reviews on our instagram very good um and you know what? I loved going back to Panem in the Hunger Games mm. world. It was a prequel, and it is about President Snow when he was 18 years old. So I know a lot of people don't like him, but it was very interesting to read mm-hmm. about how he was when he was 18. So I definitely recommend if you like the Hunger Games. Yeah, I am intrigued by it. I know when it came out, there was a lot of feedback or kind of criticism of, like, why choose the... <laughs> Why choose the dictator of this world <laughs> to focus on for a novel and not somebody more interesting or like Rue came up a lot or Finnick, mm-hmm. uh, just being characters that lots of people wanted more in- information about and backstory about and, and their kind of chance to shine. Uh, but I know you really liked the book that I really she did write. It. Yeah. And like, obviously I would love if she did do more like backstories of other characters or even do like more like, well, I don't know how you do sequels, but you know. Anything like that would be super cool, but I just think that she did a really good job on his character, and he's definitely, like, a morally gray character, if you like that. And yeah, that's all I gotta say about that. I loved all it. Right, perfect. Um, I also finished The Poppy War okay. by R.F. Kuang. Yeah. Again, it was another really good book. It definitely wasn't what I expected going into it. Um, yeah. It is, like, very... She put a lot of research of her, like, because she was, she has a master degree, R.F. Kong, in, like, Chinese history. Mm-hmm. So she actually, like, took one of the wars and, like, basically took scenes out of these wars and put them in her book. Interesting. So I definitely recommend looking at the content warnings before reading it. Okay. Because the one chapter, chapter 21, in case you do decide to read it, 
is full of things. <laughs> Lots of things. <laughs> Lots of things, like all of the things, like the worst things you can think of are in that chapter because it is about like war and genocide and all of that. Right. Um, It is a very good book, though. Again, my review is on Instagram if you guys are interested in reading about it. Very good. So I have two things to be ashamed of this week. One is that I have not put a review on Instagram of any of the books that I've I completed. Know. So I'm very, Get on very far behind on that. Um, those will be coming out. I have actually written them now. Uh, mm-hmm. I was really held up with uh, Stardust by Neil Gaiman. I talked about this last episode, but uh, I didn't quite know how to put into words what I thought of that book. And I have done that now. So it kind of let me go on to all the other oh, ones, yeah. which was very great. Uh, the books I did end up reading are very surprising because I, I, well, I actually just got called out um, <laughs> because I said I was going to read a Williams Word, Wordsworth um, book of poetry and I didn't finish it. I made a couple, like I, I progressed through it, but I didn't finish mm-hmm. it. Um, they're very, they're more narrative kind of poems in a way. And I haven't read that kind of poetry in a while. So it's been a, it's been nice and I've enjoyed it, but it's always been like, I just kind of want to sit with the poem I just read for a little bit, which is very unusual mm-hmm. for how I read poetry. So that was kind of surprising. I did read The Iron Widow. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> so, Jirinjie uh, Zhao is the author of that one. And they did, a, I thought, a tremendous job mm-hmm. with the sheer amount of female rage in that yeah. book. Mm-hmm. Totally. Is phenomenal. If you want to watch people get served the justice for treating women like shit for centuries... Oh, do I have a book for you? <laughs> Which was phenomenal in many ways. I I have a full review that I'm going to be putting on our Instagram account, so you can look for it there in the next uh, couple of days to a week, I'd say. But yeah, I, I I thought the plot was full of a, a couple holes here and there that yeah, I was I like, mm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the characters got saved by the author a lot mm-hmm. of like, ooh, now there's a new thing. Yeah. Um, which I always just, honestly, it doesn't bother me that much. I just kind of smirked myself like, ah, you wrote yourself into a wall, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was overall really good and I would recommend it, especially if you like, and I would say if any amount of fantasy or you really like sci-fi, I think either and or. Yeah, like actually I want to make a comment, like the Poppy War, I kind of saw a lot of similarities between that main character and like the main character of Dying Widow a little mm-hmm. bit with that, like, you know, getting what they deserve, like who cares? what other people like they don't care what other people think like they deserve to you know they've suffered they've gone through all this stuff so I don't know when I was reading the poppy war I was like reminded of that book there have been a couple books that have promised me female rage and Mm -hmm. anger and they've not delivered in that way so I was actually really really I was really glad to see it. Like Mm -hmm. there was so much morally gray stuff happening by the end of that book. And then there were so many twists and turns. And I'm like, I I literally put down the book and I was like, I don't, what, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) Like what journey did I just exit from? And I literally sat there being like, wow. So I I thought it was tremendous, uh, especially if you like a fast read and an easy read. It's fun to read. Jun Jae Jao, also, they did a tremendous job of breaking down, I thought, a lot of um, traditional, like, Chinese, uh, like, values and, well, 
traditions, I guess, is a repetitive way to say it. But yeah, um, I thought at times it was a little handholdy there, but it was overall really well done. I also finished uh, Sense and Sensibility by Jane Austen. Oh, yeah. Which um, was the first Jane Austen novel that I did not give five stars to. <laughs> How come? What? Like, what? So, Sense and Sensibility, I actually, um, so I was, I was talking to, like, my partner about this, and, and he was like, this is really interesting to me, the way you're describing this. Was it her first book? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> And I looked it up and it actually was. It was her first novel. And so oh, interesting. the know. format, yeah, so it, it was it was the first one she wrote, and right after that she wrote Pride and Prejudice. And so the format that she uses in the books, which is my favorite thing about reading Jane Austen, is you read like two-thirds of the book, three-quarters of the book, which is all very just well written and great. Like such great writing, such tremendous stories, great characters. They feel alive, it feels just like being there. It's how I've always felt. But it's a little slow paced. And then you hit one point where it just starts to like snowball down the hill. Mm-hmm. Like you've pushed the, the the boulder up the hill and now it's just rolling. And then there's always one line that just, just pulls it all together. And uh, I said in this, in the last one, Persuasion, the line for me was, you pierce my heart. She's just such a beautiful line. And it was just so, like, it just encompassed everything I wanted to hear in this novel. And Sense and Sensibility didn't have that. They actually, like, skipped over all the, like, couples getting together at the end, which was really disappointing. Like, it, went forward. Yeah, it was like, and now they're married. Uh And it was like, what? You you can't do that to me. That's That's unfair. It was very unsatisfying. So it was like a good read, but it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. So that the expectation, I was very, I was actually quite disappointed at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'm, I'm going to say this because I feel like I've read about three novels already, just getting about two thirds of the way through this one is The Priory of the Orange Tree. Mm -hmm. That one's hefty. So it's hefty. You did a good job. Yeah. 800 plus pages. I'm uh, I'm almost 600 pages in, so I'm definitely getting there, but I'm, I'm working on that one right now. Sounds good. All right. Well, I guess we can announce our super secret topic, which is, can romance make or break a book? Mm-hmm. And I have an answer for this. Okay, you, you go. You go. <laughs> so we're going to talk about examples. Obviously, we're going to break this down or else it wouldn't be a podcast. But uh, my in short answer is yes, but... It more has an influence over whether or not I finish the book. I agree. Yeah. So if there is a romance and it's in a really badly written novel or the characters suck or the plot is just so irritating, Mm -hmm. I can finish it for the romance to figure out what's going to happen between these two characters who have fallen in love and, and or whatever else. I can almost always finish it. There have been so many novels that I finished for the sake of the romance. Generally speaking, if I didn't like the romance, I probably didn't like something else about the novel as well. I found mm-hmm. that a lot as I was going through my list of like romances that I thought ruined the novel. And then I thought about it and I was like, actually, the whole novel was kind of yeah not my favorite. So that was what I was kind of finding. Um, there are a few that I think have like really bad writing and really shitty plots, but they're like such guilty pleasure reads because they oh, yeah. have a romance in them. I would say that, like, Twilight would fall in that category. 100%. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things wrong with it, but it's just, it feels so good when you're reading it. Yeah. It's just like, I feel like a teenager who's fallen in love with a vampire and that's okay. And that's, that's, it just, it's fluffy and it's not good writing really, but it's not, it just, I'm really just reading it for, for Bella and Edward. A hundred percent. And like, yeah, like same thing. I agree that obviously romance can make or break a book. I feel like it has a lot to do with how the author writes it, Mm -hmm. especially certain tropes and stuff, which we'll be discussing. But it's like, I really love certain tropes when one author does it, but when another author does it and it's like toxic or it's just not really well done. I don't like reading it. And I just like end up leaving that book or not finishing that book and being like, I wish they did so much more with this romance. Yeah. And then I'm like, or they could have just left it out and the book would have been fine without the romance. Yeah. Which I just think that some people put that in because maybe it's a young adult novel or maybe it's like their publisher wanted it in there or they just were trying to do it. And I'm like, or I find a lot is people trying to be very, or authors trying to be very shocking. And I found Mm -hmm. that with, I find that with some novels where the two main characters don't end up together. But they've spent, like, four books, like, trying to get to each other, and then for some reason they can't quite be together. And it's fine if there's an actual reason for that, or if that their characters have drifted apart or something like that. And I've seen it done really well, but sometimes it's just like, oh, and then they didn't end up together. And I'm like, no. And they're, yeah, it's like they're trying to be, yeah, different, and too. And it's like, you don't have to be different. Like, when people are reading your books for romance, they're reading it or the romance they want usually a happy ending mm-hmm. or like you said there's a reason why they can't be together yeah or I don't even mind when stories like Throne of Glass is a very good example when she starts with one guy um Eowyn is the main character yeah Ariel thank you <laughs> and but she doesn't end up with that first guy and I love well, that that's, that's so funny to me because that is um this is one of my favorite things about that book is you read the first one and you're like oh it's this love triangle and then it was like oh I was so wrong you're like just <laughs> kidding which I wow I like but they it honestly felt like they shouldn't have ended up together and but it wasn't a problem that they almost did like mm-hmm. it just all felt kind of like that's how this the characters would have actually acted in those situations yeah as much as they pissed me off as much as at times I wanted to literally throttle um, Cole through the pages. Yeah. Um, I was like, that is kind of how I think he would act. Like, like he's kind of tra- staying true to his character. So that's really, I'm glad you brought that one up, actually, because I think that's a really good example of just, like, letting a story have romance mm-hmm. and not forcing an outcome. Yeah, because a lot of books, especially fantasy books, is like, you know there's going to be an end game couple mm-hmm. and you can almost see it a mile away, which is fine. Like, I love reading how they get there. Yeah. But I love Sarah J. Moss for that fact that she'll be like, no, this is like a stepping stone to who who the main character is supposed to be with or all of the characters because all the characters have their own kind of romance story yeah. happening, which I love. So, yeah, I just like that that's more... I, I don't know if it's, like, been a thing in the past, but I feel like more people are starting to write like that. The yeah. more stories I've been reading, especially when you have a huge series like Throne of Glass, like, why not? Why not have that character grow? Like, they're growing their personality and stuff, so why mm-hmm. not their romantic relationships? Yeah. And keep it interesting. Keep the reader interested. Yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm with you. So, actually, a great example of somebody who I don't think did that and uh, went in for the shock value. And we've talked about this person many a time on this podcast. 
Uh, so Cassandra Clare's uh, The Mortal Instruments series, I, there's, you know, there's nothing I like more than, than kind of uh, just tearing this book series apart. Uh, it's been years since I've read any book in this series, by the way. So please forgive me if I'm remembering any portions incorrectly. But the the plot of the books themselves were actually, like, pretty good. Like, I don't think they were super innovative or anything like that, but they were good for YA fantasy, especially urban fantasy, which you know I love. I mentioned yes, that a couple yeah. podcasts ago. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you who don't know the story of Cassandra Clare's The Mortal Instrument series, one, I'm jealous of you, but two, I'm going to break it down <laughs> here for a second. Uh, so it mainly follows the story of Clary who is a presumably normal girl growing up in New York City. Nobody's ever normal in a fantasy novel, though. So one night Mm -hmm. she witnesses the murder of a blue-haired boy who suddenly just disappears after he dies. And it's all very strange. Uh, And the strangest part about this is that when her friend Simon comes in to help her and he brings, like, I believe a bodyguard or something, like, um, or, like, a bouncer, because I think they're in a club, nobody can see the other people. Only she can. And she's like, that's not normal. I'm like, no, girl, that isn't. So um, <laughs> you eventually find out that Clary has um, Nephilim blood. Forgive me if I pronounced that wrong. Cassandra Clary also. Thank you for listening. I'm sorry I'm shitting on you. Uh, which is why she can see shadow hunters and demons. Uh, she also meets a boy named Jace and begins to fall in love with him. There's lots of stuff going on in the plot that I'm going to kind of skip over here. If you want to read it, go for it. I am going to spoil some of their romantic relationship though yes um so they begin to fall in love and about the time that they both realize that they're falling in love and they want to be together uh the author decides that she's going to tell you that jason claire clary actually share the same fault yeah so they are technically brother and sister that's disgusting um there's a lot more going on with the plot there's shadow hunters demons the shadow realm the big bad evil guy valentine uh, who is unfortunately both of their father. Mm-hmm. And uh, side note here, uh, this was created as a fan fiction of Harry Potter. I don't know if I knew that. You didn't know that? What? No. Yeah, what? so it was um, several fan fictions kind of twisted into one. And um, I believe the main characters were supposed to, like Ron and Ginny. Which is why it's like a brother-sister oh. thing. Um, but it was also Draco and Ginny. And I might be totally wrong about the, the couples. So please forgive me. But it was originally created as a fan fiction of Harry Potter. And then it which I think names. is very funny because Voldemort became Valentine. <laughs> which is just like Ew. not the biggest change. What? Anyway, so they, she obviously made other changes as she went to publication. But yeah, it did actually sense. start as a fanfic. Well, that's kind of cool though. Like... Yeah, it's it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's more of a conversation we have there, maybe in a different podcast. <laughs> uh, so this romance absolutely ruined the novel for me. Mm-hmm. I actually remember reading the next novel in this series because I was intrigued by the plot and I really liked the idea of the Shadow Hunters. So the Shadow Hunters had this cool thing where they could uh, basically like uh, inscribe or burn runes onto their skin and call upon them during fights and stuff like that. It was a very cool feature of the of the world and I just thought it was such a neat world and again mm-hmm. love urban fantasy mm-hmm. but I was like I read the second book because I was like well no there has to have been a mistake or something and they're not actually brother and sister and like technically I was right 
Yeah. Spoilers? Again, spoilers. Yeah. But uh, technically I was right, but she drags it out for another novel. So the entire second novel, they believe themselves to be brother and sister. They make out during the course of this novel, which absolutely was just, like, not necessary for me. Um, and then by, it's, like, close to the end of the third novel, in which you actually find out that they are not actually brother and sister, so they can be together. But it took a long time. But it to took get a there. long time to get there. And I was like, there are two options here if you had to go to the, oh my god, they're brother and sister shock value. Which is immediately in the next book, them finding out that that's not the case. Yeah. Or they never get together. Yeah. Because it, now it's just weird. Because I remember reading that too and thinking the same thing. I'm like, I don't see the connection there anymore. Like she was trying so hard to give to them push that, that connection. Yeah, that yeah. like sexual tension, flirtation. But it just, once you make a big reveal like that, it's not, it's just stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I actually stopped reading when she got them back together. Yeah, I finished the third book and I was and like, then I, I was have like, no I, have, I have no desire. And it, this is one of the things where, like, if she had just moved on from that romance, I actually think the novels would have been better off for them. And I know a lot of people who love these books. Mm-hmm. And if you love these books, that's totally on you. Actually, like, I, I thought the plot was fine and I thought the world was really interesting and I was just so disappointed in the romance. Mm-hmm. So this is the first one that jumps to mind when I think of a book that was just ruined I by the romance. Um, I just want to tag off that because another book I read that had sibling love in it um, was The Fallen Kingdoms by Morgan Rhodes. And it's like an, another like longer kind of fantasy series, young mm-hmm. adult series. And there's a prince, Magnus, and he like has these feelings for his sister. And like, so... First of all, right off the bat, first book, I'm like hating this character. And I'm like, no, I know where this is going. I have no desire. I have to no desire know. to read this. And <laughs> and then, but the nice thing was, because there was lots of characters, there was other romance happening and other plot lines. So yeah. I was like, you know what? Those are keeping me interested. So I'm just going to like get through his, his perspectives and like get going. So basically you find out though that his sister Lucia isn't blood related. Like she was basically... <laughs> basically like stolen (laughs) from another person and raised as this princess so of course good old magnus here thinks he's got a chance now because before (laughs) he was like no it's, it's not right it's not right so he makes his move and luckily like i'm really glad the author did this but lucia turned his ass down she was like fuck she's like this is wrong on so many levels like, it's not going to happen. And it actually, like, put a strain on their relationship. And I'm like, this is, like, more realistic. I'm not happy that you still had to put it in your book. Yeah. And I honestly, like, I I only have one more book in the series. But I did continue reading the series because of her other romances in the book and her other plot lines and everything. So it did. It, I like, was. Almost ruined it. Almost ruined it. And, like, the book was so wild from start to finish like the twists in that book are crazy i just was like i gotta see what happens i gotta see what happened well i felt similarly so um like a a song of fire and ice or uh game of thrones Mm -hmm. also had um incest so there was circe and jamie yes yeah the thing that i was okay with about that relationship is it was never actually like romanticized Mm -hmm. and i think that that's an important factor if you're (laughs) 
I don't even want to say this, but like if you're going down that road, you can't romanticize that relationship. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing. So like even in Sailor Moon, so there is a um, portion of Sailor Moon in the graphic novels and in the anime in which um, this is <laughs> spoilers for Sailor Moon, but uh, so um, Chibiusa, who is revealed throughout the series to be Usagi's daughter has kind of like a crush on Mamoru or her father Mm -hmm. and it's kind of disregarded whether she fully knows that that's her father like fully understands that that's her father I kind of equate that to like having a crush like not a crush on your dad but like having like I'm gonna marry my dad when I grow up and not really realizing like that's not how things work because she's young yeah so, like, that's kind of excusable. And then there is actually a section in the, well, one of the animes and the manga in which uh, she kisses her father as a grown-up lady. And she turns in, so she turns into black lady and she becomes this evil entity of herself. And she kisses Mamoru. Like, very, like, supposed to be kind of passionately. To me, that has always symbolized, like, how, how perverse her character had become at that point. And it was not a symbol of, like, this is a great story or a romance. Like, we're not idolizing this. It was very, like, this is so messed up. Look at how evil yes. she is. Right. And so there's ways that it can be used to kind of, like, it always makes me uncomfortable, though. Like, any 100%. sort of yeah. incest. Like, that shouldn't have to be said. <laughs> but, no. like, any sort of incest is just, like, why are we going there? Yeah. If it's... Yeah, like, what kind of plot point do you have with that? Or is it a shock value thing again? Like, we talked about, like, you don't need... There's other things to write about. Yeah, so I... And I I could understand if you wanted the shock value of Jace and Clary getting back to the Mortal Instruments uh, series. If you wanted the shock value of Jace and Clary actually being brother and sister to kind of resonate and you'd be like, whoa, wait, (laughs) I did not mean to ship that. Like, I did not mean to love their relationship. And when you're younger, like, I don't think it was... Like, I remember being uncomfortable, but, like, I don't know. I wasn't super uncomfortable with the reveal. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, they kiss. That's super weird. Mm-hmm. And now I don't think it's very nice, and I don't want to, like, reread that passage because I know that they're brother and sister. But it was actually the passage in the second novel that made me really uncomfortable where they... And, again, it's been years, so forgive me. But they're in some sort of forest, I believe. And they end up just making out. Like, like full on passionately making out on the ground, even though they know. (laughs) And then he has this big speech about how he's supposed to be her brother and he's supposed to protect her from the people who want to do the exact same thing to her that he wants to do to her. And it's just like, there's so much going on. That's so like the misogyny in that is just so Mm -hmm. not okay. And then also it was just like, was that supposed to like woo me like was I supposed to be like oh that's so sweet like yeah. it it wasn't it didn't it felt icky yeah and gross and like I really in love ugh, like yeah. I feel like these authors just don't have siblings either because I was like I'm so uncomfortable with yeah. this as somebody yeah. who has siblings like I was like oh I 100% agree it grossed me out <laughs> um Okay, let's get off of this incest talk because I feel like we've done a good chunk about we've it. Done a good chunk, uh, yeah. I wanted to talk about a book that the romance in it just I it was so lackluster. Like I can't even 
like I finished the book, but I haven't finished the series. It's called Roar by Cora Carmack. Okay. It was published in 2017, so just a little bit about it. It's um, part of her Stormheart series, so it follows our main character, Aurora, who's a Stormling princess who has been raised to be the next queen of her kingdom. Okay. Um, however, she does not actually possess the magical ability to control magical storms, which is like what a Stormling is known for. Um, so to basically like save her throne and all the stuff, she's to marry a Stormling prince from another kingdom. And then, but she actually discovers, so she, like, doesn't really want to get married, and, but she also, like, if she can't prove she has these powers, then she's going to be dethroned. So she ends up finding out that you can actually take, or get your powers from stealing them from a storm, like a magical storm. So she meets this guy, Locke, who's a storm hunter and his crew, and kind of hangs out with them. So it's kind of an interesting premise, so that's why I, like, mm-hmm. started with it. Um... So basically, Aurora, or Roar is her name, so that's where the name of the book mm, comes of course, from. Naturally. Um, so her and Locke's relationship kind of starts out as them, like, constantly challenging one another. So there's lots of banter, lots of arguments, and generally I like that in relationships. If it's, like, kind of cutesy and flirty, and you're like, oh, maybe he'll see her. Anyways. <laughs> Normally love that, um, but with this one personally, and it could just be the author itself, I just didn't feel the chemistry at all between them. Mm-hmm. There's just zero chemistry. It was almost over the top banter with them to the point where I was just like, they just don't like each other. They just don't. They like, just they don't each like other. each other. Like at this point, it was just it wasn't well done. And then once they do get together, it's like Locke kind of start stops challenging roar so then it's like now he's like not baby her but being kind of possessive and overprotective of her and then he says that's because he lost his sister and he doesn't want to he wants to protect aurora because he couldn't protect his sister and it was just like alpha male toxic masculinity coming all together <laughs> and you were like i hate there this was, it was just not good and then like they're their first kiss, he, like, forced it on her as, like, punishment for not listening to him. Oh, I have something about that in here, too. Uh, <laughs> it was just, it was a lot of the things that I was, like, it wasn't a natural progression to their relationship. And it was just not, it just wasn't good. Like, I that book probably would have been fine if you didn't have a romance in it. Or, I don't know. Like, maybe it, it gets different. Yeah, and maybe it gets better with the series, but I just couldn't finish it just because of that. Yeah, that's hard. Um... Yeah, I haven't read that book, but it like it sounds like such a cool premise. So that's really mm-hmm. disappointing. I was very yeah sad about that. I, you've brought up kind of a, you you've kind of touched on a trope that I don't like. So uh, that was gonna be kind of part of our podcast today. So I kind of want to switch over to that. Mm-hmm. So th- these are the tropes that kind of make or break romances in books for me personally. We've talked about this one lots, so I'm just gonna touch on it briefly. Is accidental pregnancy. Yes. Um, so this is the fast track to making me hate your book. And it's not the fact that somebody becomes pregnant. But it's it's when an accidental pregnancy is used as, or any sort of pregnancy actually, is used as a symbol of happiness in the relationship. Mm-hmm. I totally trust and believe that mothers, like that is, motherhood is great. And that is a lot of key parts of happiness in people's relationship. However. When it has to be put in the book as a symbol of their happiness. And that's really the only reason 
we're even hearing about it or anything like that, it actually just makes me really upset mm-hmm. that, um, especially if it comes at compromising a female character, which mm-hmm. it often does. Mm-hmm. It's very lazy to me as a symbol of happiness. It's like, oh, they got together and had a baby. And it's just like, it's like okay. Or, or <laughs> even further when the female character is like going through depression and the baby is the symbol of all hope. That's a lot of pressure to put on a, a fetus. I'm just yeah. like, that, that, it is an unborn child at this point and you are already having your hopes and dreams being put on it. It's a lot of pressure to come in this world under. Yeah, agreed. And I just, it's, it's almost always represented as this good thing that just cures everything. Mm-hmm. Which uh, leads me to my next one, which uh, is a love interest curing trauma. Yes. So this often comes hand in hand with more dangerous tropes like the forced first kiss or the threatening of rape, which is always really uncomfortable. But I've seen in several books of the like actual main love interest being like, I'm going to rape you. And then she's like, oh, no. Or even just like (laughs) forcing them like against a wall or onto the bed and like making it very uncomfortable very uncomfortable and then but it's also kind of sexualized and like yeah like it's a good thing (laughs) so one book that does this and it kind of does all of this so it's a great example is dinner with a vampire by abigail gibbs (laughs) which is part of the dark heroine series which i have never touched a later book in that series apparently there was supposed to be a third book coming out oh wow um but it it just never happened so good reason that's where we're starting so i actually actively discourage people from reading this book there's like a tiktok and a real audio and it's like i really believe i was put on this earth to make people read this book and i really feel like i was put on this earth to make people not read this book (laughs) (laughs) don't waste your time um this story almost has an interesting plot like almost but there's so many plot holes as well so it's like bad for reasons other than the romance but the romance is one of the main reasons that it's a very bad novel Mm -hmm. i think it could have been salvageable without the romance or with a different romance um so we follow violet lee okay which is our main character who accidentally witnesses a mass murder in london which is um being executed by a group of vampires. She doesn't really realize that that's what's happening in the moment. It's very clear that that's what's happening to you, but she's, like, in shock. Yeah. And they find her very easily just hiding there and basically witnessing this, and then they decide to take her hostage. This is kind of weird. Like, they kind of gloss over why they didn't just kill her, as in, like, the main love interest was just, like, oh... Like, he had a feeling that they shouldn't kill her, and so they didn't. And I was like, I can accept that. Mm-hmm. You give me a good romance story, and I can accept a lot of plot holes. Yeah. Like, I will put up with a lot of plot holes for a good romance story. Anyway, so she is kidnapped and forced to live with them. Um, it's a little dubious of why they're keeping her alive at first, but then the vampires find out that she's the daughter of the UK's Secretary, Secretary of State for Defense. Oh, of course. And so her father actually knows about the existence of vampires and he knows how to like do business with them and like barter with them. And so like there's like this whole like they're kind of using her as leverage over him and 
all this stuff. So that's the reason that they're keeping her alive. At many points in the novel, it becomes very clear that it would probably be easier for the vampires to just let her go, but it's very like, <laughs> well, they're not going to do that for some not. reason. <laughs> so anyway, um, the, there's a greater plot that's going on that is somewhat interesting by the end of the novel, but it's touched on so late that by that point I was already pissed off and I was actually really upset by how problematic the love interest was. Um, Violet, who's being housed by these vampires, decides to take her revenge on one of the vampires who kind of is just being really annoying to her. Mm -hmm. um, and she does this by uh, taking all of his condoms. Ew. What? Which was just like, yeah, that was like, <laughs> okay, I'm just going to breeze on past that. And she thought it would be like kind of funny. So funny. Good and joke. then he, <laughs> his his response to that is, I'm going to rape you. Yeah. And he threatens her with rape. And then he's, right after that point, he's kind of quickly established as the main love interest. And before that, there was kind of like another guy that might be the main love interest. And that made me really uncomfortable. But then I was like, okay, we're just going to like, just to get through this novel, we're going we're gonna to push that to the back of our mind. And then she is almost raped again. By the same guy? No, by a different guy. Oh, my. And all the vampires lose their shit. Over the fact that this other guy tried to rape her. Now they're all protective of her. Now they're all protective. And it's like the hypocrisy and the like, the like absolute bullshit of that situation was really what caught me. And then so she ends up like, he like attacks her. So it's like more of a, a violent rape than the other one would have been. Yeah. So like, I feel like that's what the author was kind of trying to draw a comparison, which is so dangerous. That's such a dangerous yeah, comparison to make. Violent versus what? A non-violent rape? That's like, not a thing. No. Um, and uh, then after her second attempt, attempted rape, uh, she has sex with the main love interest, which she has absolutely no trauma about. I was going to say, how uncomfortable would you have to be in that situation? Like, and he's, like, aggressive and violent, and he, like, pins her arms up, and he pushes her against walls, and, like, there is no part of me that believes that her trauma was instantly cured, but it is very, like, oh, her trauma is instantly cured by him because it's him, even though he also almost, well, we're going to forget that part for a second, and then... Her trauma comes back up after that. Mm -hmm. And it's like only when it's plot convenient. It's only when it's not about him. It's only when it's like, and then it starts to feel very like forced. And I was just so done with this novel by this point. I literally only finished it to say that I had finished this novel. Yeah. Because there was like a hundred pages left. And then by the end, there was like this greater plot. I was like, the greater plot almost could be interesting, but you've made me so not care about this novel. Anyway, that was yeah. that was my no. disgusting example of that. Yeah, that was a good example, and also nobody read that book. Nobody read so, it. Don't read it. Um, I have another one for break, so I'll go through it quickly because I know we gotta talk about obviously romance is a makeup book. Like we love romance here. Um, the other one I want to talk about is "Spin the Dawn" by Elizabeth Lim. Okay. And this one has been like kind of popular lately, and I really loved the idea of it. it was kind of like. Mulan, like Project Runway kind of vibes. Oh, interesting. So it's like about this girl Maya who has to like basically be a boy because the royal t 
tailors or whatever that like work in the castle. It's not a castle. It's anyway, <laughs> I'm doing injustice injustice to this book, but you can only be a boy basically to be a tailor for the king. And she's not, but her dad, who they were calling upon, like he's too old, he can't do it. And like her brother like got injured in the war or something, so he can't do it. So she's like, just let me do it. I'll just dress up as a boy. It's no fine. It's nothing wrong there, right? Um, so her love interest in this uh, book is a court magician, Eden. And it's super cute at the beginning. Like the first half of the book, I actually really enjoyed. Like it was super interesting because it was like, yeah, like Project Runway. Like she had all these little tasks that she had to like, like overcome and to win to make it to the final Mm -hmm. and then halfway through the book is just like a completely different book so now Mm. she has to prove herself that she can be the tailor for the king and like the king's like future wife is like hey you have to make these three impossible dresses for me and sends her out on this huge quest so Mm. it became like a task-based kind of book sort of thing to this huge adventure to find these magical things like it was just so different so like obviously there's other things with this book I didn't love but the love like the romance was meh there was again like not a lot of attraction which I think is obviously what makes a romance for me is like where's the attraction where's the chemistry but the love interest I swear was mostly there because he's like a magician to help her accomplish her tasks Mm -hmm. anytime something wasn't going her way he magically had the thing that she needed to accomplish How it. convenient. <laughs> and I just hated that. I'm like, this girl just did like half of this book on her own as a boy and did all this stuff. And then now that she's real revealed as a woman and is doing this other task, her love interest is helping her basically complete it all. And it was just, I didn't love it. I didn't yeah. love that. I'm like, no, like why have the romance in there at all? Except if he's there to just help her accomplish all these things. Yeah. And I didn't actually finish that book because of that. I couldn't do it. Really? I was like, I know where it's going. And I don't love the romance. And I don't love that he's there every single step of the way. Like, he pretty much dies at one point, And I think he comes back and helps <laughs> He's like, I could still help. Yeah. So, anyways. <laughs> the ghost of me can still help. There's even a sequel, so I have no idea where things go, but... Well, maybe it gets better, but it doesn't really sound it's like it. It's not for me. Like, it's definitely not my thing. And it's really sad because, like, again, like, I love Mulan-esque books. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing the first half. And then it just wasn't good after that. Let's talk about a few tropes that make uh, romance for us and okay. can then therefore make the book. So I said before that I can excuse a lot of plot holes. I can actually excuse a lot of bad writing, um, especially when I'm in the right mood for a romance story. I can excuse a lot of... Shitty characterization, bad plots, yeah. poor writing. I can excuse all of that if the romance is, like, good. Um, and I think one of my favorite examples of this is... Uh, <laughs> it's the, uh, the, the morally gray romantic interest who is, like, very protect... Like, like, the who did this to you. Yes. Romance. Yeah. Um, there's lots in literature. I can't really think of one that's not in an already pretty decent book. I know that, um, uh, like, there's one in Throne of Glass that I would say was very, like, on par with that. It was very, like, protective. Like, um, I I do really like that. That'll get me almost every time. I also really like any romance that has the 
the man being kind of the like himbo, like the like hot guy who's just there for her, like um <laughs> yeah. So I'd actually kind of consider um and you may not enjoy this comparison, but I would kind of consider Touchstone and Sabrielle to be like in not quite that far in that realm, but in that realm where like Sabrielle is the badass. Sabrielle is the person driving this plot. Sabrielle is the main character. Like Touchstone could die at any point. <laughs> And it does not, it, she's still going to kick ass. Yeah. But he's going to do everything in his power to help her. And mm-hmm. he doesn't save her. In fact, there's actually a great scene. If you haven't read Sabriel, maybe uh, skip a little bit ahead here. But um, there's this great scene where she saves him from being called into death. Mm-hmm. With um, and This is my favorite part of the whole freaking book. Where she kisses him and like bites his lip to make him force him into reality. Like that... And the, like, final, like, they liked each other the whole time, but that final, like, moment where they actually got together was so perfect. But he didn't do anything to hinder her. He mm-hmm. he just tried to help. He asked her what she needed. He was just there. Yeah. Ready to go. Supportive as necessary. Came in with ideas. Like, did what he could, but he didn't take away from her. And that is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Like, you give me those things, I'm done. Great. So good. Uh, the other thing I appreciate is any LGBTQ romance that does not end in one's immediate yes. death. <laughs> yeah, and they're, like, super toxic. Like, I find that... Super toxic, too, yeah. Yeah, which is so unfortunate because, like, and then those authors say they have these rep in their books. Mm-hmm. And then you read it and you're like, that was not even happy. Like, I'm not, like, what how, what part of that was romantic? <laughs> You're like, great, I now think that I'm going to die immediately as yeah. any part of the LGBTQ. Like, like, that is really upsetting. I do love, like, any sort of cute storyline that is just, like, yes. wholesome. Yes. Um, I don't know how it's going to end. The Prior of the Orange Tree, actually, like, my least favorite character so far that they focus on. He talks about having had um, a romantic love interest who was a man. And, like, some of the scenes, like, the flashbacks that they go to are just so cute. Like, they're just lying, like, on a bed together looking up at the stars and, like, stuff like that. And it's just so cute. Mm -hmm. Um, They do kind of have a tragic tale, so I guess it maybe doesn't count. But showing the love, too, showing the positive side of it. And actually another like cute little lgbtq relationship i love is waylon and jesper from six of crows leo bardugo i don't know if you've ever i have not read that oh so good i love that duology like all the relationships in it like i wrote them all down here actually because (laughs) i love them all and for their own things and like their relationship is just so cute and it's like they're like so opposite but they like jesper's so good at like kind of like flirting and making Waylon blush and like all this cute stuff where Waylon's just like so innocent and he's just like like you can tell he likes Jesper but he won't like act on it like it's just cute and it was just done so well and I just I just loved it yeah which is just perfect perfect <laughs> um but yeah like other things I like that make a book for me things like like fake dating Oh, you love the oh, fake dating, hey? I love fake dating. Like, I haven't read To All the Boys by Jenny Han. Yeah. Which is, like, that's the premise of the book. Is like, we start dating and, like, 
because he wants to make his girlfriend jealous and then yeah and then I don't know I don't I obviously haven't read it so I'm not gonna go too much into it but um there is a couple in Throne of Glass series yeah where they like have to pretend to be married or whatever yeah to like protect one another and like get through it and I oh, just I do love the like Oh, let's pretend to be husband. So I guess yeah. that is a version of fake dating. Yeah, fake like, dating. Yeah, get be, it's like oh no, my wife needs these. Yeah, <laughs> it's always. I think I just love it because they're always so awkward about it. It's so awkward, and you just like, and usually they are like don't actually like each other that much at this point, but yeah. they like grow to like each other because they have to pretend to like each other, yeah. and it just works. And there's yeah. always like the person like, oh, let's have a kiss from the wife, and, and you're like, <laughs> and they're like, fuck you, and I'm like, yes, you're the best. Yes. <laughs> Kiss, kiss, kiss. So I just, I love, I don't know. I really like that. Like, I usually reach for romances that have that. Um, and I haven't really seen any that weren't done very well. So mm. I definitely like those. Um, what other? I have another couple from Six of Crows that I wanted to talk about, like, where they like hate each other. But they actually don't hate each other and then they just like have to survive together. And then they learn to like respect each other and all this stuff and they learn all these personal things about one another. Mm-hmm. I love those. Like there's a couple from again Six of Crows, which is uh or the Nina and Matthias, I think is how you say his name. Like super cute. Like they're actually from both different kind of like races sort of Mm -hmm. like he hates people with magic basically and of course she's has magic so it's just like I just love them like flirting with each other and the sexual tension because like you know they say they hate each other but they actually don't and they won't admit that Mm -hmm. they like it and there's always one person who's like oh like it's so obvious you guys like each other and they're like no "No, don't (laughs) and I just love that so much um, and there's another couple in there too, Inez and Kaz. And there's like a bathroom scene. And it's basically, basically it the idea of it is just like when one of them's injured mm-hmm. and the other one takes care of them. Like, I love that too. Oh, yeah. When one takes care so of them. So I actually person. just realized as you were saying all of this, and I had not thought about this before. So um, I always loved... Um, and I love the Hunger Games for more than the romance. But I always, I did really love the romance between Peter and Katniss, especially in the first book. Mm-hmm. I remember people being like, well, what about Gail? And I'm like, what about Gail? He wasn't there. I don't care about him. Like, I, it was I, never, yeah. it was never, it was never Gail. a love triangle for me. Yeah. It was never going to be Gail. I don't know who Gail thought he was. Um, I also don't know who Gail thought he was when... You know, Katniss comes back and he's like, oh, I don't know, you kissed a man to stay alive. And, and she was like, what the... Like, like yeah, they had no I would have like, <laughs> like, what do you mean? Why are yeah. you upset about this? I, I don't understand. <laughs> but now that you were saying that, that is fake dating. So they do yes, the fake love. They have the fake love. They also do the... The uh, injured. The injured. <laughs> and uh, they even do the fake, like marriage like the fake like engagement yes. and the fake yeah, they, don't they do a fake pregnancy too they do a fake pregnancy because Peter tries to get her out of the yes. uh the games but it's too late yeah so people which is like just the brilliancy which is the only like example of pregnancy in a book that I can like remember being that's not true but like one of the most examples of like they played <laughs> on that accidental pregnancy trope Mm-hmm. she really did like Suzanne Collins did of like and that moment I remember reading that book and like just 
my jaw dropped. And I was like, I'm sorry, excuse me? What? (laughs) Yeah. That was like, yeah, so, so great. Um, Yeah, that's a good point. Like, maybe that's why I liked The Hunger Games so much, because they had all those little tropes. Yeah, exactly. As you were saying it, I was like, wow, that's The Hunger Games too. Wow, that's The Hunger Games too. And I wouldn't consider The Hunger Games necessarily like a romance novel. Like, it wouldn't be like, oh, if you want a good romance read the hunger games just yeah. because i there's so much else going on in the series but yeah now that you're saying that like i loved those parts like i loved yeah. when pedo was injured and it was like katniss there yeah and she had to take care of him yeah i i love that i i i do love the injured have to take care of trope or the um yeah it's it's like the little protective trope I, and now that you've said it i i wouldn't have considered myself to have like fake dating but I, I think yeah. I do, actually. I think I have to revisit that in my... Yeah, and maybe you just need to read a good one. I know there's a bunch out right now that people are raving yeah. about, like, on Instagram and stuff, so maybe... Yeah, I'll have to get into some of those, yeah. All right, well, I think that about brings us to the end of the discussion part. I think so, yeah. All right, so we have a couple things to kind of do before we wrap up today's podcast, but uh, the first one is, uh, what are your next reads? What are you... My next read, well, I'm currently reading Emma Jane Austen. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'll let you know how that goes. It's, I haven't read many classics, and you recommended this one for me to I read. Did. And I'll get back to you when I think about it, <laughs> when I finish it. All right, so I have uh, The Priory of the Orange Tree, which I need to finish. I have about 200 yes. pages left, so we're getting there. Uh, I also hadn't my uh indigo order came in so i have some books that are very high on the list uh, daughter of the moon goddess by sue lynn tan is actually probably going to be the next on my list but i always say this and then i don't read the book that yeah, i say i'm going to read true. so you know what i commit myself to reading the priory of the orange tree and that's about it but i said that last week too so maybe i shouldn't say it. you know what i don't commit <laughs> to anything i will read yeah. books before next week and i have no idea what they it's are it's going to be a surprise All right, let's choose our topic for next week. That one just flew right out, didn't it? Oh, (laughs) they're all falling out now. (laughs) There's so many. (laughs) Okay, interesting. Uh, Books you have started but did not finish. Oh, did you ever pick them up again later? Okay, yeah, I got a few to talk about. Honestly. I have several on my list right now that are like getting neglected. I don't know if I'd call them DNFs, but I think that would count. Yeah, I think like yeah, we'll come back and this one. I feel like so you you lit up. This one's gonna be hard for me because I have a rule. You commit. To I commit. Well, then I think you should do it as... Which ones did I really want to put down? Yes. Because those yes. were a few of them. <laughs> yeah, I think you should do that if you don't have any DNFs. I have a few, but I also have ones from the past that I, when I was committed to finishing. Yeah. That I'm like, why did I finish this? So Yeah. Okay, interesting. Okay, so we'll have to have some creative uh, creativity with that one, but we will get through it. Um, Any final thoughts that you have that you want to share? No, I think that was, that was a good, good little... Good little discussion. Discussion. All right. Perfect. All right. Well, if you are looking for uh, book reviews in a little bit more detail than we provided on this podcast, you can find those on our Instagram account, which is at the book jar pod. 
uh, on Instagram. Uh, Otherwise, if you're listening to this podcast, thank you so much for listening. If you haven't reviewed it yet, we really appreciate the hell Mm -hmm. out of that. Uh, And otherwise, we will definitely see you guys later. Yay. Bye. Bye.